If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Bringing our board over here. Started our family series last week. Gave the wives an opportunity to uh, make some comments about their husbands. Gave the husbands an opportunity this week. And you see the board here behind me. And I just want to say, fellas, there's a whole lot of white space on here. And I thought about this this week as I came out, and it was really blank. It's been added to the last couple of days. There's even more on here now than when I was working on this, uh, particularly Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And I was like, man, what does this tell us that the guys didn't write a whole lot uh, on, on the board here? I thought, well, maybe it just shows that uh, men are much more content with their wives than wives are with their husbands in marriage. I don't, I don't know. Just grasping for straws here. I really prayed, and, and I was genuine in this, that this wasn't an indicator of male apathy toward their marriage or their family relationships, thinking, man, if we can't get guys to come by and write an anonymous comment on a board, is it uh, right for us to expect that they would be praying and leading uh, spiritually in their homes and uh, doing family devotions with their wives and their kids? And so, I mean, I, I really prayed through that and hoping and praying uh, that's not the case. But then finally, somebody tipped me off to what the real issue was. And uh, men, I'll, I'll make sure we try and fix this in the future if we do something like this again. A guy said he stopped by and he went to write something on the board and he looked around and noticed there were three or four ladies watching him. And he said something told him, even though his wife wasn't one of those watching, that before his head hit the pillow that night, she was going to know what he had written on that board. So next time we'll get a privacy curtain up here, all right, to be able, guys, you can come in relatively safety, uh, safety, write some stuff uh, down for that. Uh, but I did have those thoughts this week, but I'll tell you, I had another really neat insight, as I told you last week in doing that with the wives, how I approached the board and uh, saw some things about husbands from Scripture, that as I came to the board this week and saw these things, and then as I got into the text and, and began to look, it's amazing how the Lord just naturally, through men and women and who we are and how he's wired us, you can see those differences. Last week I preached from Ephesians 5. I looked at the passages directed to husbands about how husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and we talked. There are nine verses, over nine verses, that Paul writes and gives instruction to men on how to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And we talked about uh, five, six different things about how men put that love into practice and, and love their wives like Christ loved the church. Well, this week in Ephesians 5, Paul also writes and he gives instructions to women on how to care and meet needs and, and show love and, and minister to their husbands. And there are only four verses that Paul writes with, with two instructions that he gives in there. And I just thought it was really uh, interesting how uh, you know, so much more comment and information came from the ladies to their husbands and how that weight of responsibility in Scripture takes up more space for husbands in the role that they have uh, in caring for their wives, but also in how wives uh, can minister uh, and meet needs of their husbands. And I'll tell you, I could stand here for 20 minutes cracking jokes about the differences between men and women, and y'all be going, amen, that's right, you know, preach on, because we, we, we're aware of those differences. But really, rather than looking at the boards and comparison, comparing one to the other, I think we should look at the boards, and we can celebrate the differences between men and women, because we are different. And, and rather than, than poke fun and say one is better than the other, we just recognize they're different because God made them that way. And rather than, than highlighting the differences, let's celebrate who we are, who God has called us to be. And then both, men and women, let's seek to do what God has told us to do in his word. To husbands, love our wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, as we see today, how we can minister and care for our husbands as well. And we'll understand that when we do these things, when we obey these teachings, 
And God's instruction that he's given us in, in his word will be able to build strong, healthy, Christ-centered marriages and families as we put these things into practice. So here's the bottom line for today's message. Only God's grace, only God's grace can bring order and harmony to a marriage. That's the only thing that's going to help us have a marriage as God designed it, as God intended it, and as God wants us to have in our lives right now. In and of ourselves, we are not going to be able to have a a strong, healthy, Christ-centered, godly marriage. We cannot do it in our own flesh because we're sinful and we're wayward and we're going to move away from that. But through the grace of God, as we experience it from walking with him in a daily relationship, he fills us with his Holy Spirit and lets us do what he's commanded us to do in his word. So as we draw from him, we can put these things into practice. That being said, I want to talk about the two things that Paul uh, writes and talks about this morning, particularly uh, for wives and their role and responsibility as as building part of a healthy, Christ-centered marriage. The first of those is this idea of submission. The idea of submission. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Paul says to wives, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Man, this passage of Scripture uh, gets a lot of debates started. And people have some really strong opinions about it and the wording, and it can carry some negative connotations to it. And people can get really amped up over the teachings of these verses. But I want to reiterate a couple of things I said last week that we have to remember as we think about following the Bible's teachings on submission and on biblical submission. First, I reminded you and told you last week that biblical submission is when a person makes a conscious decision or an act of the will to set aside his or her wants, preferences, and desires and submits to an authority over them. And I followed that up by reminding us that everyone lives under authority. We all have certain authorities in our lives, and we live under that authority. And then I told men last week that that we are under the authority of Christ, and we're commanded to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and we will be held accountable for showing that love to them. I also reminded you last week that we live in a sinful world. Things are not the way God intended or designed or created them to be when he created the world and set Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And after sin entered into the world, part of God's punishment for sin, God told this to Eve, Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So the seeds were planted then for this leadership tug of war in the marriage relationship who's going to have the authority who's going to take lead uh, and make decisions in the marital relationship and the word desire in genesis 3 is the same word that's used in genesis 4 when god said this to cain sin is crouching at the door it's it's desire is for you but you must rule over it 
So God said to Cain, sin wants to come in and take over. Sin wants to control you and be in charge. But Cain, you must rule over the sin. You mustn't let it in. You need to be obedient to me, not give sin this opportunity to come into your life and take dominion and control. That word desire is the same. And that word means to compel or to urge or to seek control over. So being that same word, we see here how this struggle for control and for authority in the marriage relationship was born in that instant. And I said last week that it's important for us to depend on Christ to help us obey biblical truth. Husbands, we depend on Christ. He's the one that empowers us to love our wives as he loved the church. But it's also Christ working within us that can temper us and give us compassion and mercy and cause us to not trample our wives underfoot. Because let's face it, there have been uh, misinterpretations and misuses and abuses of this verse uh, by men for women for centuries. And that has been the case. But it's that work of Christ within us that tempers and helps us not rule over as God said your husband shall rule over you as with an iron fist and not giving consideration and not living with you as a partner uh, in in the estate of marriage and so it's the Holy Spirit and God's work that helps us not flesh that out men but ladies the same is true for you because of the curse and because of sin only your relationship with Christ can supply everything you need to restore God's created order and allow you to practice biblical submission in your marriage relationship you'll only be able to do that as you draw from Christ and he helps you put that into practice in your marriage relationship because your constant temptation will be to buck God's created order and live in friction and tension with your husband trying to take those reins of authority and leadership in your marriage and in your home. But only God's grace can bring that order and that harmony to a marriage. And ladies, you need to grow in your relationship with Christ to experience that grace as well. Now, there are some bullet points I put in your note sheet. I listed some thoughts and a couple applications on this idea of submission uh, that are important for both men and women to understand. I think you can see and understand those, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. Uh, ideas like the first one you see there is that, that men or women are, are created equal in God's sight. I mean, there's no, uh, it's not that one is superior or smarter or better than another. We're all equal in God's eyes. We're equally loved by God as men, as women. Uh, part of the, the idea of authority and submission comes because God created order and we all understand living in authority in our lives our, our government leaders have a certain level of authority over us parents uh, the instruction later is for children to obey their parents parents are giving a certain level of authority over their children and so we understand we need rule we need order if not there's chaos there and I love the quote that's in there by Adrian Rogers uh, who really summed this up well he said anything without a head is dead and anything with two heads is a freak all right, so thinking about that marriage relationship and so many things in what you do in your workplace and in so, so many areas, we need structure, we need organization to be able to function properly uh, and according to God's word. So I'm not going to go through all those things because I have got an awesome illustration for you this morning, an awesome illustration about submission. Truthfully, this topic of submission can be very tough for a male pastor because as I stand here, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, somebody's going to say, well, of course he's going to say that. He's a man. You know, and it kind of looks self-serving in doing that. Uh, so to illustrate th this topic of biblical submission, I asked my wife, Shelly, to write down some of her thoughts on this topic. And, and then I wanted her to come and talk about what submission has looked like in our marriage from her perspective. So you can hear from her, not from me, about these things. And I have not been, I will tell you, a perfect leader or a perfect husband. And you will hear that uh, in just a moment, I'm sure. 
I have made some real bonehead decisions in our 15 years of marriage, and Shelly and the kids have had to suffer through some of those decisions uh, as a result of me doing that. But I'll tell you, her love and her forgiveness and her support through those times has meant the world to me, and it really helped forge that bond of unity and of oneness that we talked about last week that Paul wrote and talked about that, that mystery of the husband and wife leaving and being united to one another. Uh, Shelly has been a wonderful wife and a wonderful mother, uh, and I don't feel like we've really ever had major, major struggles in this area of submission and leadership, because ultimately I feel like we're a team, uh, and I value her input and, and her decision and her insights on things, but have so appreciated when that, that when the time came to make a decision that Shelly said, this is your decision, and the Lord's called you to lead us in this way, so whatever you do, I support you and I stand with you in that. And that's been uh, very uh, freeing for me, even for Shelly, when the decision didn't quote-unquote go her way, you know, uh, that she stood there and has been supportive of me in that. So are you ready? All right, she's going to come on up here and uh, try not to make me look too bad. Uh, she's doing that. One last note as she's making her way up that I wanted to share with you. A couple of months ago, we did a little drama thing, and people were like, oh, that's so funny. How you, that was a drama that wasn't true. This is not a drama, all right? This is real life where we are. Uh, I read her notes earlier, but, you know, you just kind of stray from those sometimes. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. But uh, she'll talk with you about this, and we'll come up in a minute. Well, bear with me a little bit this morning. I am nervous. If you give me a microphone to sing in, I can sing. But speaking is totally a different thing. So... When I was doing this, Curtis was like, make sure you kind of look at your notes and look at the audience and look at your notes. And I was like, okay, this might be me the whole time reading my notes to you all, but I'll do my best with what I have written. Um, women, I know a lot of times we hear the word submit, we kind of stiffen up a little bit. It's kind of like, ooh, you know, obeying, you know, God's word and, you know, helping others and serving others and loving people can do those things. We hear submit and we're like, oh, we don't like that one. Let's skip over that one. But um, I just want to tell you and remind you, wives, that God loves us the same as he loves our husbands. We are valued just as much as they are. We are all his children. Therefore, we shouldn't think that we're any less loved because we're called to submit to our husbands. Reminding myself that when I choose to submit to Curtis, that I'm really submitting to God makes all the difference. When I submit to Curtis, I'm choosing to lay down my pride and my selfishness and yield to another person. I'm being obedient to God, and I'm trusting him with the outcome. Is submitting easy? Well, you probably say, well, sure, it must be for you. You're the pastor's wife, right? You've got it all together, and you have no struggles in that area. And that's not true. Things don't come easier for us because we're in the ministry. They're just the same and, and just as hard as it is for us as for you. And so submission for me has at times been easy, at times it's been difficult, it's been frustrating, it's been freeing, all of those things. In our marriage, Curtis is what I kind of call the final decision maker. We discuss and we debate and we share opinions and all of those things with each other. We get it all out there, but in the end, he's the one that makes the final decision. And in some ways, that is freeing. It takes pressure off of me because I answer to God by following my husband, but he answers to God for how he leads our family, and that's a big responsibility. Um, I feel that Curtis listens to me, and he respects my opinion, and he always says, I want to know, you know, tell me, know what you, let me know what you're thinking, and he wants me to put it all out there, but in the end, it's his decision. Most of the time, he makes the right one, even if it's not what I wish he would have made. Most of the time, it's the right one, and um, 
But then also, sometimes he doesn't make the right decision. Sometimes it is the wrong one. And so at that point, I have to decide what my response is going to be. Is it going to be, I told you so, or is it, is it going to be, you should have listened to me, I said the other way, um, or am I going to say that we're in this thing together and I support you in this? Curtis is a wonderful man. He really is. And I do trust him. But even more than I trust Curtis, I trust God. And by being obedient to Curtis and submitting to him, I know that God will bless that. Knowing the weight of responsibility has, that that has for him, I pray each day that he would have wisdom. And I know I've, there's so many different things we can pray for our husband at different times, you know, in their lives. But something that God's just kind of put on my heart to pray for him is wisdom. I mean, it kind of encompasses a whole lot. And um, I pray for wisdom as he leads our family, as he leads this church, as he counsels people, just that God would give him the words to say and, and what he should do. But I do want to tell um, and say that sometimes submitting has been hard. There's been times, um, especially in big decisions or maybe things that we did not agree on, that I've kind of almost stomped my foot and been like, I don't want to submit, you know, God. And I've wrestled with the stubbornness and, and selfishness and things like that, the need to control everything. But when I finally give it over to God, there is a feeling of release and there's a feeling of freedom. And I like this word, there's a feeling of rightness. It feels right. It was the right thing to do to give that over, that this is the way it's supposed to be. And submission is a choice. Um, nobody can really make you submit but yourself. It is a choice. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to take your husband's face out of the picture. Of, I've got to submit to him. No, take your husband's face out of the picture and imagine the face of God. That when you're submitting to your husband, you're really submitting to God. He's the one you're submitting to. Don't have the attitude of I'm submitting, but I'm dragging my feet all the way. And when it's over and when you mess up, then I'm going to tell you about it. Well, that's really not submitting if that's your attitude. I just want to encourage you to give it to God and trust him that in your husband's decisions, both good and bad, that he's working in those things in your lives for his good to mold you into the person that he wants you to be. My dad was an unbeliever and an alcoholic for many years. And um, my mom said that, that God taught her early on. You know, a lot of times he would come home and um, he would just kind of be raring to try to start an argument or a fight or things like that. And, and it was just inside of her and she would just go right back at him, you know, and it would just, you know, explode into this huge thing. And after she became a Christian, God just spoke to her and said, you need to be quiet. And so she did. Whenever he would come home and try to get something going, she would just be quiet and she would pray and it would just kind of de-escalate. You know, things would just kind of come back down again. And um, I just want to say that God used her life in a wonderful way to be a witness to my father through that. Um, it took many years, but eventually he gave his life to Christ about seven years ago. And so I love this verse. When I read this verse, I think of her. Um, like 1 Peter 3, 1 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may, may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of their lives. They were down a few months ago, and as I watched her, even now, 
Even as she's gotten older, I could see her attitude of submission shine so brightly. Many times she could have spoken out of frustration or whatever to him, but she stayed silent. She spoke kindly. And it was through her that God kind of seemed to, you know, tap me on the shoulder and say, that's what I'm talking about. Submission preaches a more beautiful and powerful sermon than your words ever could. You may say, well, I want my husband to leave, but he won't. What do I do about that? And I just want to encourage you to pray specifically for him in that area. Don't nag him. Don't tell him all of the things that he's not doing that he needs to be doing because that doesn't work. I've tried that. I've been there, done that. It doesn't work. Prayer is much better than nagging. Um, But pray for him. Do continue to come to church, even if he doesn't come. I'm so thankful that my mom faithfully brought us to church every week. Even though she didn't have a husband that came with her to do that, she did that. So continue to come to church, even if he doesn't. Continue to do devotions with your children and teach them about the Lord, even if he doesn't participate. Continue to do those things because they're the right thing to do. But don't give up praying that God would do a work in his life. And when you see him making little steps, encourage him in that. So I want to encourage you to hand the reins over to your husband. Allow him to lead. Encourage him when he finally does lead. Don't kick him when he makes the wrong decision, but prayerfully support him and walk alongside him, and your marriage will be strengthened, and God will bless your obedience. When uh, Shelly and I were in marriage counseling, our uh, pastor that was doing that with us, he, he talked and he told us about that idea of the husband leading, and he, he told he said, Hus- or Shelly said, when, your husband, when God is leading, leading Curtis, you follow, and even if you don't like it and know where it's going, he said, you obey, and then Curtis will be disciplined and punished, and then you'll be blessed because you've been obedient. And I was like, great, thank you for that. <laughs> it, and we were, we were praying about a move. It was one of these ministry moves. We were moving from Florida to Kentucky, and we were really wrestling with this. I mean, it's a big thing. We'd never lived more than, you know, just a couple of hours from our families and just walking through this, and we were having this discussion, and I was back and I was like, honey, what do you want to do? She said, Hey, remember what Brother Dan said? She said, you take us there. If that's where you feel like the Lord's leading, if you're wrong, he'll discipline you, and I'll be, I'll be blessed for having followed you. I'm like, great. Thank you for that pressure that's there. Um, but a couple of, I just had a couple of follow-up questions for you. We've, uh, we've talked about this some, but I feel like you've been submissive in our relationship. But do you feel like you've been devalued because of, you know, following in submission in our marriage relationship? I do not feel like I've been devalued at all. I mean, Curtis treats me with great respect, and I know that he respects my opinion. He wants to know what I think, and, and so I have not felt like, felt devalued at all. Okay. It's been a, it's a team thing. And the other part of that is, you know, I'm not a micromanager in, in our home and different things that are there. So I was wondering, just can you give an example or two of areas where basically I've said, hey, this is something that you do on a more regular basis. So why don't you kind of take and run point in that? And we talk about, and I still know what's going on and I'm involved in it, but you're kind of the resident expert, so to speak, in that. How have we managed that some? Probably more in the training of our children. Um, you know, if there's resources that I need or books that I need or whatever things to use to train them, Curtis is like, go for it. You know, go get what you need and, and, and let's do this. He doesn't want to have to look over my shoulder and all that, but I get those things and I get all the supplies together or whatever. And then I bring it to him and I'm like, okay, let's do, you know, let's do this devotion. Let's do this, whatever. But he's kind of like, go do it. Go get those things to help train our kids. 
And we've, the way we work that some is that we've got smartphones. So I've given her access to my calendar. Like when something comes on in the office, when Nancy puts something on there, it pops up and Shelly can see that. But also Shelly then is able to put on there when we've got kids, sporting events, ball games, things like that. We, we talk about date nights and we'll put that on the calendar. So I know that I do that and follow through. So she's really helped in that capacity. And then when there's a family night on there, I'll say, hey, this is coming up on Friday. What do I need to do? And she's like, here's the passage of scripture. She'll photocopy the page or whatever and say, you're going to read this verse and do this. And here's the craft activity and here's what we're doing. And so we've kind of partnered in that being able to walk through and so I'm helping lead in that but she really kind of runs point and gets most of those things put together uh, then the last one being that uh, you, you kind of mentioned sometimes I've been um, slow to change and, and, and kind of lead like I need to how did you handle that process of me not being where you really desired for me to be at that point because I've fully arrived now so it's all taken care of but <laughs> but, but how did you handle that before when I wasn't the, the man that I am today <laughs> Well, I would just encourage you to pray for him and, and not nag. That was probably a, a big thing for me as I, as I wanted to say, why don't you do this? Here, let's do this. You know, you're not doing, you know, and I, and I thought if I would just do that enough, then he would do what he needed to do or whatever. Came to bed one night and laid down there with a couple's devotional on my pillow. Oh, <laughs> that's a subtle hint, isn't it? <laughs> but through, um, just through scripture and through wise counsel from wise godly women to say, don't nag, but pray for your husband. If there's specific areas that you wish that God would change or just things that, that you see or your relationship, pray for, pray for your husband. And it may not happen overnight. You may not wake up the next day and it's all new and wonderful, but pray for him in those areas. And when he shows him some improvement, encourage him and tell him he did a good job and, and those kinds of things. So, right. very good. You're very kind. Thank you. That's nerve-wracking. Husbands, uh, give your wife an open mic in front of hundreds of people and say, here, talk about our marriage. Woo. <laughs> well, I want to spend the, the last few minutes we have uh, looking at verse 33, the second thing that Paul writes and talks about for wives and the importance it has in a marriage relationship uh, for a Christ-honoring marriage, and that's this, this issue, this idea of respect, of respect. In Matthew, uh, not Matthew, Ephesians 5, verse 33, Paul says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. We talked about that last week for men. He said, and he ends by saying, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's an interesting statement. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wives, did you know that the most fragile thing in the entire universe is the male ego? I mean, it really is. And I don't mean that in a negative sense of male ego and pride and stuff. It's just men are very, very sensitive and very protective of who they are. And if they feel attacked or if they feel like someone's trying to hurt them in some way, they respond uh, against that uh, that attack that's coming wherever it may be coming from. And I'll tell you that respect in a marriage and respect for a husband is like sunlight for a plant. It is a catalyst that produces growth and development and produces fruit, the fruit of leadership, spiritual leadership uh, that women long for. And ladies, no one can influence your husband in this respect more than you possibly can. You have an influence on his heart and his spirit that nobody else in the world has the opportunity to impact him in those ways. And just like with a plant, when the sun beats down on it, the, the most important work in a plant is not taking place on the surface and what you can see. It's down below. It's that root system and that nourishment and what's taking place there. And that respect in your marriage so impacts the heart and the spirit and the core of who your husband is. And when you show him respect that, that he longs for and that he craves, man, he swears wells with pride and there's contentment and fulfillment in him and it encourages him and motivates him to want to do more uh, but ladies this this need is there and you influence it in a tremendous way 
when there is criticism, when there's negativity, when there is nagging, uh, and your husband doesn't feel respected, uh, he withdraws to protect himself. It's part of the fight or flight mechanism. We don't talk a whole lot about that. We go, that's Neanderthal, man, isn't it? We, we, we're more civilized now. We've moved on. No, it's still there. We've disguised it and we respond to it and it fleshes itself out in different ways now than maybe it did a thousand years ago. But this mechanism is still a deep part of who men are. And so when these attacks come, uh, he begins to put up walls. He withdraws to protect himself because he doesn't want to feel hurt and he doesn't want to let anyone know that he's hurting. So that's kind of the the flight mechanism, but you can experience the fight mechanism in that response as well. But in that, he's still protecting who he is. But instead of putting up walls, now he comes out guns blazing, voice raised, and barking to try to scare away whoever or whatever it is that he feels is attacking him and trying uh, to hurt him. And so when the environment in your relationship and your home regularly and consistently disrespects your husband through words, through actions and attitudes, he either ducks and covers or he barks as loud as he can to make sure everybody and everything stays away uh, to not hurt him because he doesn't want to be hurt. And I'll tell you, these are deep waters for men to be able to talk about these things. Men, uh, it's harder for them to recognize and understand these things and even harder still once they do see it and know it's there to be able to put it into words. I mean, and we'll talk some next week. The message is on communication and we'll talk about that. Uh, But on the board, there were some men who did kind of begin to identify some of these things and and speak some of these things that are deep within men. Now, there were the few, uh, you know, comedians that are out there. I wish my wife would leave the seat up and never change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was watching right there when he was writing that okay you know I wish my life would never change honey did you see that that was me all right uh you know but there were some guys who, who wrote uh, some things up here that that are that are pretty significant uh you know I wish my wife uh would tell me that she loves me more you know I wish my wife would would stay calm you know husbands you've been driving and wives and you, you slam on the brake something happens and and she screams and is telling because you're be quiet I can't think calm down you know I'm under control I'm still sitting here you know just that that calm so the husband is there uh, for that I wish my wife would uh, not be so sensitive and not be so defensive uh, you see some of these things coming through uh, there was one down here someone uh, wrote I wish my wife uh, would continue to be the godly woman even when I fall short. I wish my wife would let the kids see dad lead the house, uh, not mom. And I know we've talked to, uh, we're in a unique situation here uh, in our area with uh, military families. And, and some of them have talked about things along these lines where when dad is away and he's deployed, uh, mom has to just kind of take care and run things. But when dad comes back home, they really have to walk through getting dad back in and, and uh, into some of those leadership roles and getting involved in the life of the family, even though he may be going back out again, you know, in the very near future. So you begin to see some of these things come through and someone wrote up here, I wish my wife would be nice, is what he said. Uh, That constant criticism, that picking apart what he's not doing, uh, tears your husband down and it causes him to build those walls and, and to try and protect himself. And I'll tell you, ladies, some men are scared to lead because they fear that the first misstep, the first mistake they make is going to bring a barrage of criticism and accusations and I told you so uh, type statements uh, because they feel like their wives don't respect them or their wives don't have confidence in them. Uh, Another comment said, I wish my wife would give an impromptu hug every once in a while. And uh, ladies, just to say that, that your affirmation... Uh, a, a genuine, sincere, heartfelt compliment from your husband 
He can live for days off of those words of affirmation from you. People outside of your marriage can say things to him, positive and build up. But if you will speak those genuine words and those sincere words of affirmation, uh, it, it, it just swells him with pride. There's such a contentment and fulfillment that comes uh, in that time. I appreciate so many of you, every once in a while, you'll, you'll just give words of affirmation about my sermon and preaching and things like that. But you know the feedback that means the most to me comes from Shelly. When I come in after service and walk in, she's like, man, it's a great sermon today, you know, really appreciated, and, and I got a lot from that. Man, my, my chest, you know, puffs out a little bit, you know, and I just, that, that uh, you know, just feel my body begin to relax, and when I go to sleep on the couch for my afternoon nap, I got that smile on my face, ah, you know, that kind of deal. But there have been times on occasion where I've walked into the house, and it's been really quiet. She didn't say much at all, and, and early in our marriage, I was foolish enough to say, so what'd you think about the sermon today? I quit asking that if she didn't volunteer it uh, because sometimes she would be real reflective for five or six seconds trying to think of something nice to say and it didn't matter how nice she was. That pause said it all, you know. So we kind of learned to steer clear from that. But it just, it just means so much to your husbands. And ladies, your words, uh, your actions, and your attitudes, uh, they can be life-giving to your husband. So I encourage you to leverage those things, to build him up and to encourage him and refresh him. And when you do that, you'll see his confidence build and his self-esteem begins to grow and he begins to take more leadership uh, in your marriage and in your family. Uh, another man wrote on here, I wish my wife would love me half as much as she loves the kids. You know, we could mine the depths of that for hours because it so strikes at the heart of this idea of respect. But it can be so defeating for a man to see his wife ooh and ah and pour herself into the kids and their activities and their friends and their health and their school and all that stuff. And then when the day's over, he gets leftovers. You know, if even that, I mean, there's no time and they're not conversing, they're not doing anything because she's getting ready for the next day and working on things. And, and that, that hurts his feelings and, and he wants that time together. He doesn't know how to express it. I Really, the hard issue, I think, is there's a jealousy that's there. You know, I wish my wife would, would care for me like she's caring for the kids but there's no connection and he doesn't know how to say it and express it so he's kind of grumpy and angry he's like what's wrong with you quit being so grumpy you know and she didn't want to be with him because he's frustrated and he just doesn't know how to say honey let's spend some time together because he thinks man if my buddies heard me say that they would beat me up you know for for expressing an emotion or a feeling or desire that's there but it really is there so you know get the kids together in bed 30 minutes early and spend that time talking and and just being together i tell every couple in premarital counseling that their marriage requires time attention and effort before but especially after kids kids can be so demanding and they take so much of your time and your attention that it's easy to put the marriage on the back burner to focus on the kids uh, and I've seen so many marriages that when the kids graduate and go off to high school and college people have said we just stayed together for the kids we don't have anything in common we don't know one another anymore and those divorces happen and even those adult children suffer the negative impacts of those things uh, and I tell couples the best gift you can give your children uh, is the example of a healthy strong Christ-centered marriage, but it takes time and attention and effort as both individuals are growing in Christ and drawing on his grace to do what they're commanded to do in Scripture. And again, wives, if you lead out and give your husband this time and this attention and, 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 and your personality, it builds his self-confidence, his self-esteem, and his leadership in your home. Well, last one, someone wrote up here, I wish my wife would have more intimate encounters shall we say. And there were three check marks behind that one over there. Someone's like, hey, somebody had the guts to write it. I'm on board with that, all right? 
Now, you can see in your outline, that's one of the topics that we're going to cover here coming up on July the 4th. And I want to just tell you, parents who may have kids, there is child care both hours that day, all right? If you're not ready to broach that conversation and, and talk about that topic, everything's G-rated. It'll be fine on that day. But I know the importance as a parent of being able to address things age appropriately and when you're ready. But it is an important topic for parents to address and for couples to be able to, to discuss and look at and evaluate in their marriage relationship. And the church has been silent too long, friends. The church has been silent. We've not talked about it because it's taboo or whatever. It's clearly in Scripture, but we didn't want to talk about it because it's awkward it makes us nervous and when we didn't talk about it the world said we'll tell you about it we'll, we'll give you some ideas and some input here and now we're reaping the whirlwind and all the negative consequences that come with that uh, but I mention it here because it has a tremendous impact on the level of respect that a husband feels uh, from his wife I mean, I know this is a personal issue, and there are a million and one factors that affect it but I'm simply underscoring that lack of um, fellowship in this area uh, increases that level of insecurity within men and it makes them feel devalued or rejected uh, and not loved and attractive to their wives and so it really impacts this level of respect that's there so as we come to our time of invitation this morning the, the invitation uh, for us is what I've mentioned these last two weeks it's for husbands and wives both men and women to follow through and grow in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ because it is the source that's going to allow husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. It is what ladies need to be able to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. We cannot do it apart from that relationship with Jesus Christ allowing us to live that out in our lives, in our marriage relationships. And so if you're here and you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never admitted and confessed your sins before God, believed that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and then invited Christ into your life to forgive you of your sins and take control of your life, then today is the day where you can experience that newness. The Bible says you'll be a new creation. The Holy Spirit will live within you you and you will be able to do things you never thought possible because of the power of Christ at work in your life. And so if you've never given your life to him, then our pastors are available. We would love to lead you in a prayer and show you how you can place your faith and your trust in Christ and be able to draw from him. But as importantly for us in that, for, uh, for husbands and wives today, is a commitment that we would each make to say, Lord, I want to seek after you and I want to be this kind of husband. I want to be this kind of wife in my marriage, in our family, uh, so that we can have a God-honoring, a Christ-centered marriage. But it is an act of submission for each of us, husbands as we submit to Christ, wives as you submit to Christ, and then to your husbands, that God can bless your marriage relationship. He can honor you and your family in that way. So would you today make that commitment of submission and surrendering yourself to the lordship and the leadership of Christ for his glory and his honor in your marriage and in your family. Let's